So um, welcome to a, another episode of Lab Talks, the non-fungible podcast. Uh, I will be your host, uh, George Tatois. Uh, this is an agency takeover. Uh, we have Ben, uh, the Lab Talks uh, regular uh, and the usual host, uh, but he's representing Alchemy today. Um, and we also got Michael uh, Bresler on as well from the Agora. Uh, Michael, do you mind uh, giving a bit of introduction to yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Georges. Uh, hello, guys. Michael Bressler. I am the head of uh, strategic partnerships and global and moonshot pursuits at the Agora. Nice. Thanks so much, Michael. So um, look, today um, we're, we're talking um, all things about AI. Uh, AI has been across the, the news quite a lot recently. Um, some interesting articles out, some hopes and fears about what the future of AI might be. And um, I just wanted to get you two in the room as you know, you're in the forefront of your respective careers. Um, and yeah, just to want to hear a little bit about your thoughts about things that, as I mentioned, that are happening in the news. I think the original kind of conversation stemmed from Michael uh, reaching out to us at agency and you kind of wanted to see how it was impacting our workflow um, and, you know, how how we were feeling about the, the technology that's uh, in front of us at the moment. So, Michael, I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit um, and we can maybe be sure. that. Yeah, so you know, we were we were starting at Agora with you know we've been looking at AI copy, and I think in general the world seems like ever since ChatGPT came out, um, it's been going crazy. Um, but you know, this ChatGPT just I think because of it hitting a million users. Uh, in the shortest period of time is what I think caught a lot of people. Um, and so really when I reached out to George's, I was curious because we were having some dialogue within the Agora around how AI copy could impact Google and Google search. Um, and the fact that Google has been pretty public about being able to uh, determine if, if the copy you know, on a browser, uh, if that is AI driven or if it's people driven, and that if it was AI driven, they would give it a lower score, um, basically, right? And so that's where it came down to is like, is this also the start of a new decentralization of search engines? And I thought of you guys because of the, the conversations we've been having around Alchemy and Alchemy Exchange and decentralized ad network. And to me, it all just kind of went in, what went in the same direction. That's super interesting, and as, as you mentioned, obviously Ben heading up um, Alchemy. How, how do you think that's like impacted your business, and is this a, a nice move in direction for moving towards more decentralized structures? I think so. I think one of the one of the there is a lot of content online. I think in general, like people are looking to create shorter form content, but I think there still is a lot of value in longer form content, right? Like people still buy books like Prince Harry, he's just released the highest selling nonfiction book, one and a half million copies in a day. So there is something to be said for people still wanting to engage with longer form content. And I think given the, the pressures of the short form on people that are creating content copywriters, having tools that able, enable them to create pieces of longer form content more quickly, I mean, Michael and I were just talking before we came online, like I've been using it to kind of get you past that original, like that initial staring at a blank screen phase that you have whenever you sit down to start writing something. And that actually just 
easing you into a, a synopsis of an article that then might fire off an idea in your head that allows you to write an article in 30 minutes rather than an hour and 30 minutes. So if that's the case for a copywriter, their output could increase by threefold. So there's more better in-depth content available because it's much easier to create now. There is a tool that in effect does a lot of the research for you, creates a synopsis that's easier for you to digest that you can then go out and build on top of, which I think is kind of where you're getting at. Like it in the Google example, it saves you a click, you know, like, Tell me the best places to go to the best restaurants to go to that have one a Michelin star. You'd have to see each restaurant and then click to see if you liked it. Whereas AI can give you a synopsis of the menu, the reviews, whatever it may be. So it kind of, it saves one hop. And it is funny that that hop is really much where Google makes all its money, you know, like bidding to be the top search ranking, the top ad on a particular search ranking is where they make all of their money still like search is their powerhouse. So it's interesting that they want to push down content that's written by AI because ultimately it will affect their ad model and revenue. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, what wins out. Will it be the old centralized powerhouses or new decentralized content writers, search engines, whatever that looks like in the future? Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, again, referring back to some bits in the news with OpenAI and Microsoft making a big play there, you know, that's obviously a big centralized house trying to take over and potentially, you know, exerting their, their self in that space. Um, I've seen a, a few different articles that have said that there's a longer play here and they talk about the, the $10 billion earnout and things like that. So, you know, I think from our point of view, it'd be nice to make this a bit more of a level playing field and it not just be um, taken on by another powerhouse, but, yeah. you know, there's naivety there. Equally, there is, you know, there's a lot of money in this, clearly. And from a business function, I know already, talking personally from kind of agency output, we're definitely leveraging that um, for, for, for the better, I think. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, you mentioned um, briefly about, you know, kind of copywriters and like, removing that block. And I think there's been a lot of like fears around, you know, who's going to get replaced and, you know, what, you know, jobs becoming redundant. Um, Michael, we previously spoke about this a little bit, but um, I think we kind of landed on our thoughts where, you know, we, we're more going to kind of use it as an enabler, as an additional bit of our toolkit rather than a blocker. But do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great point. I think the the the, the word on the street, and of course, the, the marketers who love to advertise these things, right, want to sometimes strike fear in people's minds and what this new technology will do. And we see that a lot. If you think about any emerging technology, there's always this fear of people being replaced or redundancy. And I think what we see with with AI is, I mean, we see it as, like you said, enabling a copywriter to do more with their time and to be more efficient and to put out more copy, uh, more quality copy, because they'll be involved with it, right? So I think right now it, it's one of those things where if you have a copywriter um, who is really good, right, they'll be able to use the tool to make them even better in the sense mm -hmm. of like, like Ben said, ideas, volume, right? But if you're not a good copywriter, um, this is not gonna be necessarily a tool that's gonna help you. Um, and I think it's re regulated, relegated to um, well, I just saw Maverick. Have you guys seen Maverick, um, the new Top Gun movie? So I love yeah, Top Gun. Cool. But in Maverick, so one of the lines is, um, you know, it's not the plane, it's the pilot, right? Mm. Um, 
and that's very similar to the thought we've been having is, you know, would you rather have Tiger Woods with a poor set of clubs or would you have a, a good golfer um, or I should say maybe an average or even bad golfer with an amazing set of clubs, right? But no matter what, even if you're good, you're not as good as Tiger Woods or any of these like professional players. And so the reality is you're just, you're just not going to get the same value out of it. And um, even Ben's example, you know, copy AI and, or, and all these other tools, you know, including ChatGPT, they're pretty clear that the data they put out there has to be verified, right? So mm -hmm. they're putting out different things. And I think what it does is it gives you a placeholder for, you know, a certain backup or a certain point you can make in some copy, but you still have to go out and do some of the work. And I think you have to take that copy as an idea and you can then, you know, use your own abilities as a copywriter to craft something even better. Absolutely. I think that's really important. And I think that's a really nice message to put across. Um, I think we're pushing out an article at a similar sort of time when this podcast goes out about, you know, um, jobs not being redundant. And it's about that elevation. And as long as you're highly skilled and quality, you know, quality always wins. So, um, you know, I think that's quite a nice thing for the, for the listeners to hear and also the message to be putting out rather than, you know, screaming that this is doomsday and it's uh, all, all over from now. Um, Jumping across a little bit, um, unless you guys had any anything more on that. Um, well, I was just, I'm, I'm a big fan of an analogy, and I think I, I didn't I didn't make this up. But I saw it, and I thought it was absolutely perfect. It's like if you're not working on your prompts for any kind of AI, you're doing it wrong. And it, it was likened to not practicing with your wand if you're a wizard. And then if you kind of really want to thrash that metaphor it's like there's a reason that the young wizards go to hogwarts and they learn the easy spells first and then eventually they get to the point where they can beat voldemort you know so like it's you do have to practice with these things you have to learn the prompts to get the most out of it and be very specific with the way you ask questions and that is a skill in and of itself and that skill is built on experience that you've gained in whatever field it is that you work in before applying it to the ai so i think that really nailed it for me. And yeah, it was an analogy, so it really spoke to me. But maybe I'll start writing analogies with, uh, with AI and see what comes out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I like the, I mean, I, for me, it's the sporting analogy. So the Tiger was one, but yeah. I coached uh, Little League Baseball for 10 years. And, uh, you know, you'd have like these seven or eight year olds. And, you know, they weren't, well, they had some improvement as, as far as catching the ball, hitting the ball with a baseball bat. And you'd have parents come to you and they'd say, you know, is this a bat that I should get my kid? Or is this a glove I should get my kid? And I'd say, the bat's not going to help them hit. Like, you have to make contact first. Mm -hmm. And if you make good contact and have a good swing, then the bat will actually help make you go farther, right? The same with, with glove. The same with every, I mean, I love the sports analogies, but it's, you know, any type of, you know, equipment that you use, right? The equipment is only going to be as good as the person using it. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever additional thing it is to you as a person, I mean, you, gotta, you know, what else, it could be Canva, right? It could be anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, design stuff. But if you're a really good designer, I, I would say like Canva would make you amazing, right? Just because of what it can do for you. But if you're not a great designer, like you can only go as far as your own abilities. Exactly. So, yeah. I think um, quite a nice segue from um, you and your, your little league coaching um, and going on to kind of AI um, in schools and in the kind of education sector. Um, so, you know, this has been a, a lot of hot topics and we've got some, you know, graduates in the business of, of ours. 
um, office at the moment. Um, and lots of people, you know, are saying they're writing their theses or courses on there or teachers are using it to mark long form content. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because obviously that's the, the next talent that's going to be running through um, into our businesses. So, um, yeah, what, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, for me, um, we won't get so deep into my beliefs around educational systems, but all I will say is that, you know, it's, it's a responsibility that we teach our, our especially younger generations, the new technologies that come up. So when the news came out that New York City had banned using, you know, AI copy tools for both students and teachers, that message to me was that somebody was afraid of not keeping the status quo, right? Somebody developed the world we live in, um, and now that world is, is gonna become disrupted, right? And so what are we really doing to our kids if we don't allow them and help them use it? So I'm not saying allow, I'm saying not only allow, but actually teach them. Like teach yes. them how to use this stuff because when they get out, because by the time they get through college and university um, and they're in the workforce, like this is going to be something that is expected for them, right? So for example, like I think like we're all sort of the same age. So I learned like Microsoft Office, right? When I was in college, right? So like 19, 1999, 2000, I took like a Microsoft Excel class, right? And when you went out to the workforce in 2002, you actually put on your resume, like I yeah. know Microsoft Office. Yeah. Now, would you ever even put Microsoft Office on your resume? It'd be like, of course, how do you not know it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where, that's where you know, AI copy, those kind of tools go. And I think like, so that's the example that I live through, but even think about calculators, you know, calculators was that thing that was gonna make you go faster. Um, you also have to know how to do the math, right? Calculators don't help you if you don't actually know how to do math calculations. Um, so I think that's an example of just people not understanding technology and people trying to, you know, I don't want to say intentionally hold people back, but I think they're just scared of, you know, what is that, what does this technology mean to the future of schooling or the future of teaching? And I think if you pivot and really think about the opportunity, I mean, what New York City and other school systems could do is they could now start bringing in that kind of tool into the school systems to really help the kids harness it. Because imagine like my son who's 16, he's learning computer science, right? So he showed me that he did his coding homework and then he ran the same homework through ChatGPT to see what the output was. And it was the same exact answers that he had, right? Now he, he knows that he has to learn the computer science and coding, that he's not gonna have the AI at his desk while he's taking a test, right? But it's like that kind of, that kind of drive that we have to instill really in all generations. But I think when you bring up the schools, it's around, you know, what do high school kids do? What do middle school kids do? Even the younger kids, right? The elementary level, they all have to embrace this stuff. Well, I, think I think like working smart is something that we should all try and do. And I imagine if you asked a teacher, what is the worst part about your job, they would probably say it's marking all the kids' homework. And it's like, they have to probably do that in their own time. It might take them two hours. If they can just run that stuff through AI and it comes out in your example with the same answers, they mm -hmm. may save two hours every evening. They may sleep better, see their partner more. They are more invigorated and energized to go and teach the kids the next day in a way they perhaps wouldn't do if they'd sat up all night marking homework you know it just like what instead of like thinking about like what is this going to impact and what are the negatives it's like okay well 
if we teach people how to use this sensibly and then you apply it to certain things that are monotonous or low value, what does that then enable you to do that is higher value, like spending more one-on-one time with kids, doing more tutoring, whatever it may be. I think that's the way to approach it rather than kind of a blanket. Now we're going to ban it. People are going to use it to cheat, you know, like that's a very blunt way of doing it. You know, it kind of reminds me of the GDPR um, legislation, which has just made internet, the internet worse generally. And, has hurt smaller publishers and Google have enough money and Facebook have enough to pay the fines. So yeah. it's how it's regulated and implemented rather than just being like a blanket no and being scared of what the technology could happen. It's like, okay, yeah, but what could happen? You know, look at it in a slightly different way. A change always says that, but yeah. I think that's interesting. And I think what I'm hearing is a recurring dream through this conversation is its perspective, right? Mm. Lots of people are looking through a negative lens, it's going to lose my job or, you know, kids aren't going to learn properly or whatever. But I think it's about that kind of responsibility um, and maybe kind of like stewardship to, you know, push people in, in the right direction. And of course, people are going to use and abuse it. But, you know, if you have enough people pushing in the right direction, that's going to get you uh, to, to the place we need to be. Yeah, and, and I think, so again, this is not an attack on education or education along with with, cop, with AI copy tools, right? I mean, the reality is, is you know, throughout our world, um, there have always been people who have thought that certain things were never going to be real, right? So in the 30s, you know, the chairman and CEO of 20th Century Fox said there was no way that people would spend an hour a day watching a wood box. That was television, right? It's like <laughs> where we are. Um, I mean, there's a rumor, I don't know if it was ever verified, but that Munger, who is, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, had said in 2008 that there was no way Elon Musk would ever succeed with Tesla, right? And then you think about, like, Google, I mean, Google Google talking about crypto or anyone talking about crypto or Bitcoin. I mean, you can go back in time and just look like the Newsweek article saying that the internet was a, was a, was what, a fad. Um, you know, so it just it constantly goes on. But I would also say is, I mean, if you want to talk about the other educational things. I mean, it's not just the, the the AI copy tools, right? I mean, really what it comes down to is just aligning education with the reality of the world, Yeah. right? I, I don't think in most schools they teach a lot of the things that they need to know, like uh, financial literacy, right? Yeah. I mean, you come out of school and you're gonna get a job, you don't even know like, you know, where should I invest? What should I buy? Like, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, it's a little bit insane. So again, it's like, the, you know, the AI copy is like a piece of it that, you know, throws that red flag and says, wow, you should really teach the children this instead of banning it. Mm. But then it just it's just a symptom of, I think, a bigger challenge around people who just have like a certain way of doing things. And this is how we've done it for a million years. And like this, you know, every kid takes geometry. Why? I don't know. Yeah. You do. Right. That's what you need to do. Yeah, I, I think just like in general, you can virtually anything can be used to be good or bad. Do you know what I mean? It's like money, for example, you can use money to donate to charity or you could use money to buy drugs, you know, like it's the same instrument at the end of the day. It's how the person on the end uses it. And generally, if you don't teach people the right ways in which to use it, they will figure it out themselves and people don't always get that right first time. And sometimes you can't take back mistakes that you make. So like, I think it's just, it is a little bit short-sighted to not want to embrace this, in my opinion. But if anything, if people are saying it's a bad idea and they're kind of giving it that death knell, it's probably a good reason to spend some more time 
getting into it and learning about it because as you say there's hundreds of examples where people have said that with new technology and just been completely mm -hmm. wrong and it's they're just incentives weren't aligned to that new technology a lot of the time and to ben's point i mean the reality is is if you want to do it you'll figure out a way right yeah. so when i talked to my my kid and by the way he, he gave me permission to talk about him a little bit but he did make it clear that he hasn't used it to uh cheat so to speak like he still does his work he just looks at it to see if it actually helps with his work but when i told him about the new york city thing he said well they'll just get vpns they'll just figure out how to break the geofence right so like you know the point is is that you know you you can't really stop the people to do it if they really want to learn it they'll figure it out and so like ben said you know if they're going to do it anyways you might as well try to help them do it the right way totally I definitely agree on that. So um, I guess what we could be quite nice to talk about um, towards the end of this is um, maybe like some tools that we're currently using, things that we've liked about them, things that have helped the, your business, because it's always, always going to be handy for users. I know we did a conversation, we had a conversation in New York uh, the back end of last year, and one of our takeaways was Right Sonic. Uh, we've used that and implemented it with some of our it kind of get the wheel, wheels turning on some blog posts and things like that. Um, it's definitely not perfect uh, when it comes out, but what's interesting is uh, as you kind of change it and evolve it, I think then it, it's getting better, it's learning, it's pulling from different datas. I think also one of the challenges that we see is we, we're talking about um, things that maybe don't have a huge amount of information like Web3 or NFTs or crypto um, behind them. It's a little bit newer to the internet where if you're talking about other areas or other uh, Things have been around, you know, since the the dot com boom. There's going to be a lot more more information they can pull from. But uh, I guess, yeah, the first kind of question is, what what, what tools are you using, and, and what do you think, you know, what, what what's great about them at the moment, what's not so great, um, and maybe maybe we can talk about some wish lists for the future as well. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been we've been testing a bunch of them. So you mentioned Right Sonic, um, Jarvis is another um, AI or Copy.ai is another one as well. Um, and I think then ChatGPT came out and that kind of just blew everyone up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it's interesting. Like, I, you know, WriteSonic got a lot of really good feedback. Um, the, you know, copy.ai, what I liked about that service was they have this uh, freestyle program where you can just, you know, put copy in and just kind of put the copy back in and just keep turning more and more longer form copy. I thought that was interesting. Um, so what evolves from what you've you've initially put in, and then we'll, we'll exactly. you can start with a few words, and then it'll give you like a paragraph. You can put that paragraph in, and you can modify the paragraph and put it back in. Okay. So that's what I I started getting more enamored with was just that one piece. Other folks were looking at like, oh, you know this, like you know Jarvis, like you said, you know all of them have like uh, maybe I don't know twenty or thirty different use cases, right, of helping with your lift node or helping with your short form copy or trying to get to long form copy, um, your space ads. I mean, they're pretty much have right, sections that they say will do all these different things. Um, yeah. I think it's just a question of figuring out what your use cases are and what the biggest impact is going to be for your business. Um, what, I, I mean, what I liked about it was, and I think one of the considerations I would say for anyone who's trying to use it is you, I, I keep a, a document of all of the original terminologies I use that gave me those results. Mm. Um, because what I found was over a whole bunch of times, like I didn't even remember what I initially put in, mm -hmm. like to where I was. 
And that was hard for me because it was almost like, like, oh, how did, how did I get it to say that? Right. Um, and so what I started doing was copying like my original text and then, and then at the bottom of most of the applications, I mean, you can basically just copy all the results and then put it, you can just put it somewhere. So I've just been putting it into a word doc just to see like, oh, this is the initial, these are the initial five terms or my initial paragraph that I wrote. Um, because, and then there's also, you can pick like your tone, right? Um, yeah. so that's also interesting. So like I said, like, like we talked about, right? Like it, it, it needs, it needs a little bit of help from the person to actually put out something valuable, right? So if you're out there writing and the customers or subscribers and your audience, you know, expect a certain tone from you, right? Or you want to sell a certain way, right? I mean, you need to tell it to do that because otherwise it's not going to be aligned with the message that, you know, your subscriber base is used to or aligned with the people that you're trying to attract. I think this, that's a really important message, actually. And I really love your methodology of like actually realizing where you started because, you, you know, sometimes the inception of idea of where you get to because you kind of get caught up in it and you're not necessarily creating the, the copy, the image, whatever yourself, that you can kind of get lost along your, what your original objective was. So that's quite a nice way. And I think even that process or that method is you leveraging the AI to its best ability and then understanding how you get the best out of it as well. So that's a really interesting take. And that's, personally, that's a good little takeaway for, for me because I think sometimes we start off with a, a one-line idea and then the next thing you know, you've got a 1,500-word blog and actually, did you get out what you wanted to from the start? So just seeing those kind of like, you know, touch points along the way, it's quite a nice way of just measuring that, of, of you know, getting the actually the content you want rather than just a bit of a scattergun approach and just hoping for the best. So um, I think that's a really smart, uh, smart way to, to think about it. Thank you. Um, ben, did you have anything uh, or any kind of examples you wanted to um, relay on? Or yeah, I think the, the way I've found it most useful is like, and we always talk about this at Alchemy, like, the key to adoption is like really trying to meet the market where it is. And when you've done that, you can then take them on the journey that you want to take them because it feels more familiar to begin with, not getting people to take big leaps into a new technology, which can be difficult, which is why, again, I mean, ChatGPT it is like an instant messaging app that we all deal with on a very regular basis. So what I've been doing is like kind of where I speak to various different business functions, whether that's developers, marketers, project management, if I have a question or an issue that I'm trying to solve, I can ask an AI tool to begin to solve that solution and put it in the language that a developer might understand. It's like, okay, I'm trying to get this information from this database into this database. Here's what I've been able to get out of ChatGPT so far. Where am I going wrong? What do I need to change? This makes sense to that person because you're almost like talking in the language that they use in their day-to-day -day tasks. So it kind of expedites that process of communicating an issue within separate or across separate teams and also it's then very respectful of that person's time it's like okay, i've taken the effort because it's easy for me now to give this into give this to you in a format which you work with all of the time you can then solve this problem much more quickly and then we can all be more effective as a business kind of get to the goals that we've set the challenges we're trying to solve and the products that we're trying to build so it's been a good kind of like almost like an enzyme if you will like speeds up the reaction that you're trying to get to ultimately get to that point that you want to which 
can be just changing how it's formatted, the way you're sending a bit of information, the beginning part of a script, the beginning of an article, a marketing plan, a deck, whatever it may be, it allows me to get more information into people in a format they understand more quickly, which then kind of allows that person to run with it sooner because they understand it better. That's a so really maybe be a better communicator, I think, is probably what I would say. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it's almost a bit of a full circle because, you know, we started off the top, top of the chat with Michael's question about, is it going to replace search? And we often use, we'd use Google for those sorts of functions, right? But yeah. it wasn't quite sophisticated enough to answer it like a, a proper question. You know, it picks up keywords and gives you that search function. It's not quite got that same sort of like level of intelligence. So, you know, one, you're being considerate and speeding up a business process. And two, you're now taking the way that, which is quite a you know natural thing. I don't know if it like just to Google something's probably in, the, in a dictionary right now. I think to Google is like a you know a, a verb now or whatever it is. But uh, it's that's really interesting that you, you've used it for for that. And again, a really nice takeaway I think for for myself and and, and the listeners of uh, of uh, lab talks. Um, Guys, we, we've kind of covered most of the topics we, we set out to talk about. I mean, I know it's a vast one, and I don't want to go too deep into the rabbit hole to keep it relatively high level. Were there any kind of um, passing thoughts or uh, any kind of, uh, I said before, any like wish lists from AI that you want to see in the future that you want to close out with? Yeah, I mean, so the one thing I've been thinking a lot about, and it, it's, it's funny, we start, started talking about Google and Google search, right? And like my head kind of starts to blow up when I think about, so, Okay, so if we agree that you know these copy tools are going to help put out more copy, right? So good or bad copy, right? I mean, I think we all agree clearly that if you're a good copywriter, you could put out more good copy. If you're a bad copywriter, or you know someone like me who's just like trying to put out some things on LinkedIn, you're going to be putting more stuff out, but it may not if you're not using it properly, you know, hit the right audience or attract the right people. So I think for me with AI, and, and maybe it's not AI, maybe it's a Web3 decentralized thing, or maybe it's a alchemy with the, you know, a decentralized exchange or something. Maybe there's something else out there. It's like, as a consumer of content, right, with more content out there, and it also means more bad content, more good content. Mm, like how, do we, how do we figure out a way? Because I'm already overwhelmed. Like, I have Twitter. I don't, I can't even look at it because I know that people are using like hype fury and they're posting like automatically every hour on some post they did on LinkedIn. And, and, and it's just like, I'm almost like, okay, I just can't, I just can't follow. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm on these WhatsApp groups. I'm just like, okay, I just, I'm 30, 32 messages behind. Like do people work? Like what's going on here? Right. And so I feel like what my wish list is, and maybe we could all build this is <laughs> something that would actually give you everything you need to know in a very meaningful curated way yeah. um, that could beat out all the things. Right. And again, that might be, that might be a, an AI thing that has to be done. Um, but inevitably, I mean, the amount of volumes is going to go and go and go and go. And before the call, you know, Ben and I were talking about how we've both been posting um, on different social media sites using AI tools. Right. So we see you can put out more and more and more stuff. Right. Does more and more stuff actually make a difference in the world? Like, mm. has it helped us achieve what we're trying to achieve? Or is it just make it harder for, for, the, for the content, you know, people who are consuming content to actually, you know, learn more, get more, get more value out of it? Yeah. That's super interesting. I, I, I know that um, this must be maybe 10, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, Yahoo put out that, uh, a similar sort of tool to condense the news. So it would pull algorithms from different headlines and give you just a bit more of a succinct kind of news feed and probably more like what the news we're used to today but 
you're almost it's almost a bullshit filter right you're asking yeah. you know, like there's so much there's so much stuff coming through you know after this podcast we're, we've got an article that we're putting out and we've also you know going to put some tag the tools in there as well so through that adoption increases we're talking about more and more within the offices are people going to be do that and everyone becomes a, a content creator but you're right the quality we might see that shop you drop down so yeah, it's a really interesting and thought-provoking thing, and maybe this is something that we try to talk about either on another podcast or get in a room and try and solve, um, you know, uh, something we build. But um, really interesting point. Um, thanks for that, Michael. Sure. I think for me to kind of go into what we kind of live and breathe every day, which is kind of advertising online, I think that one of the things that made Instagram such an effective ad product for such a long time and like say what you want about it they had and still do have an amazing ad business because they are able to crunch an insane amount of data so much so that people think their phone is listening to them and i don't think that's true i just be well, because they're trying to change an analog signal into a binary signal has got to be more difficult than creating an algorithm that's able to match what you look at in your feed to an ad that fits the purpose and businesses outside of meta have never really been able to achieve that in a meaningful way and i think if you have the ability for an ai tool to run on page load and then surface the context of that article you then are in a position where you don't really need to understand where someone has been before in data that was stored in a cookie because you can get a very good idea of that person's interest because it's inferred by the content that they're reading, you know? And then that really does prevent big data leaks online, people's data being collected when they didn't realize and can really turbocharge context in an article and whether an ad is placed in the correct position without a cookie needing to be on, on page. And cookies are actually responsible for a lot of the emissions produced by the internet in general, you know? So if you can remove that and have a tool that is very efficient and quick at delivering an ad that is relevant to you, it will A, improve your experience online because you're not getting bombarded with ads that suck because you only need one ad rather than a hundred to kind of get the message that advertiser where they need to be advertising it allows more efficiency to that advertiser because they can be like laser focused is where they want to serve that ad you know it's just it will improve the efficacy of ad campaigns where there is already a lot of wastage in terms of money time resource really so if you're able to sharpen up the targeting in a way that meta have done so well for the last 10 years across everyone on the web it will level the playing field somewhat and then you have that with people writing content and copy with these ai tools it will kind of give power back to journalism and free speech and all of the the internet existing in the way it does right now which is effectively ad funded right at the end of the day so like maintaining that i think is key to just providing access to information to virtually everyone so yeah that would that would be my dream is like using it to create really effective targeting tools to make ad performance better, which improves the user experience online and just generally makes the internet a better, more fun place to be than it is kind of turning into at the moment. I like that. That's, um, that's really nice. Um, I think, you know, if, if the, like you said, I think at the start of your kind of point what, around what site you're on and having it geared more towards that, then, you know, if I 
I'm reading an FT article. I don't need to see the thing that's going to get me off that. You know, I'm probably there for a reason. Yeah. You know, like we've got very, we live in a world where distractions are rife and we've got, you know, notifications coming through our phone and maybe this is something to maybe keep us a little bit more focused. So it could be maybe lean towards that as well. So it's more like a, you know, social responsibility lends to it as well when socially responsible advertising. So um, that's a really nice point, Ben. Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we should wrap it up there for, for today. Um, and, you know, we can continue the conversation. I'm sure we're going to get uh, a few comments and feedback from this. But I um, just want to thank the, the guests for joining. So, Michael, thank you so much. And, Ben, uh, this has been an agency takeover of Lab Talks. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks for having me. So much. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Yeah.